On this episode of The Best of Health, we talk with two experts about the myths and misconceptions of organ donation. It's very important that you share your wishes with your family. You have this conversation about what you want at the end of your life. Families can find a lot of comfort in knowing that they are really able to carry out your last wishes and can find a lot of hope in that. There are few things more important to your life than your health. You want the best of it. We want the best of it for you. That's why we're giving you the Best of Health podcast, where we cover a number of healthcare issues that affect you, your family, as well as the physicians, providers, and staff that help you on your healthcare journey, right here at Confluence Health. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Best of Health. I'm your host, Clint Strand, and we are joined today by the Director of Intensive Care and Progressive Care at Central Washington Hospitals, Jackie Whited. Jackie, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Along with Hospital Development Manager with uh, Life Center Northwest, Stephanie Wick. Stephanie, thanks so much for being here. Hi, Clint. Thank you. We are talking about a really important issue facing not only us here where we are in the Wenatchee Valley, but in the region, the nation, and around the world, the subject of organ donation. It is literally the gift of life. It is also a subject that makes some people understandably concerned because of maybe the misconceptions or, frankly, the the old yarns that you hear sometimes about organ donation. But first of all, let's set the scene with the facts. Stephanie, how acute is the need around the Northwest for these vital organs, people waiting for these transplants? Well, there's a tremendous need for organs transplants nationally. So right now there are about 113,000 people nationally waiting for a life-saving organ transplant. Uh, That translates here in Washington to about 1,600 people that are waiting for an organ. And to give you an idea of the need, uh, there were over 36,000 transplants performed last year. There is a huge amount of people that need uh, are in need of a life-saving organ transplant. About two-thirds of those people are waiting for kidneys as well. And I have to imagine, beyond transplants as well, we're also talking about things like skin grafts, correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. So there's a number of needs regarding organ donation. Let's talk a little bit about perhaps, is there a organ that where there's the most acute need of? Is there something that, that the most people are waiting for out there? That would be the kidneys. So about 82% of those 113,000 are waiting for a life-saving kidney transplant. Approximately how long are you waiting for one? Assuming you live that long to actually get your kidney transplant. It really depends on your acuity, uh, the transplant center where you're listed. Um, there's many factors that impact how long you're waiting for a, okay. uh, for a match. So there's no one size. It's like everybody. It's unique. <laughs> it's no one size fits all answer there. There are a number of ways to become an organ donor. Of course, if you've ever spent time at the DMV getting or renewing your your driver's license, you see that you can tab yourself as an organ donor. I'm sure if you asked your primary care physician about that, he or she would be happy to talk through those options with you. But when it comes to organ donation, obviously a lot of people don't for a lot of different reasons. So let's get into this here. Some of the reasons why people may not choose to give the gift of their organs. Let's demystify this. I'm just going to bounce back and forth. Stephanie, we'll start with you. What's the single most common concern people have? I think people rule themselves out uh, to be an organ donor. So so? people may think, I'm too old or I have a pre-existing medical condition. I can't be an organ donor. But because of advances in transplantation, we really look at every um, person as a potential, could, could potentially donate an organ. So you're telling me I'm sitting here, I'm 60 years old. I am not 60 years old. It's a <laughs> hypothetical here. Nothing wrong with being 60 years old. But if you are sitting there listening to this and you've thought, okay, I've 
lived a good portion of my life. I've got some good tread on the tires here. No need for me to think about this. There's a place for those for those organs. So we partner with our hospitals uh, like Confluence, where when there is a potential um, patient to be referred for organ donation, we will do a suitability screening at that time. So we'll look at that patient's medical history, uh, what brought them to the hospital, and do our evaluation from there. Jackie, you at Central Washington Hospital and your colleagues enter into these conversations every day with folks who are entertaining the idea of becoming an organ donor or walking through that process. It's something that you at the hospital and at Confluence Health do all the time. What do you hear from folks who think of it would be a great idea in theory, but in practice, they have some concern about it? What do you hear? Yeah, that is very true. They're scared. They're scared of the process because they don't understand. They also sometimes don't know what their loved one, maybe the loved one didn't have it on their driver's license and they don't they're not comfortable making that decision sure. for them. So we have those conversations with them. Yeah, let's get into that a little bit here. So if you do decide to be an organ donor, you check that box at the DMV or you have a talk with your doctor, I have to imagine it is so important to let your family know because chances are when it's that moment, you probably won't be able to speak for yourself. Absolutely. Signing your driver's license is considered first person consent. So you've consented to that process. But in that moment, your family is your surrogate decision maker. So they need to know what you want we ask them to make the decision you would have made for yourself if you were able to make that. So it's really important that you let your family know that ahead of time and have those conversations so that they know what your wishes are. And then we help families to bring out what you would have wanted because you already told them what you wanted. This is a classic concern when it comes to organ donation. I'm going to throw it up to either one of you to answer. We've all seen or heard that one story about that person who was in a coma for two years and woke up and no one gave them a chance for folks to say, okay, what if I'm, what if I'm that? When do you pull the plug? Do you pull the plug? Is there more pressure to pull the plug? Because you can see that I'm an organ donor and there's a person over there who's waiting for a kidney. Is it my kidney? Those play into those types of fears. What do you tell those people? Well, actually, at that moment, our first intent is to help the patient and treat their problem, whatever that problem may be. So our goal is always to improve them. But there's times when you have brain death and there's tests that we can do to make sure that the brain is not getting any blood flow at all. We confirm that you would not wake up from the injury that you have. So at the time, we don't even know that you're an organ donor because our intent is to help you get better. We don't look at whether or not you're an organ donor in the beginning. So to be clear about this, Stephanie, when that decision is made, there's no chance in all for that miracle, I'm opening my eyes at the moment of truth, the final moment, that's not going to happen. That is absolutely true. So we do not get involved until everything that has been done for the patient has been done. So we are not involved. Uh, Hospitals are not aware of a patient's registry status. Their goal is to treat and care for that patient. And they are going to do everything that they can do. And when the time comes, if there is no nothing more to be done, then we are there to be supportive of that patient's registry wishes, to support the family, have some hope come out of that loss, and potentially have a second chance of life 
for many recipients. Stephanie, I have to wonder that for some people, the impulse to give this gift of life also competes with the impulse for some to give their families a last chance to say goodbye visually, an open casket funeral. I think for some, there's a perception out there that if I give my organs, what they're going to see in that casket isn't something that they're going to want to see. So therefore, I'm not going to deny my family that gift of an open casket funeral if you view that as a gift, right? Some people want a closed casket. Can you be an organ donor and still leave enough behind, to use a crude phrase, for an open casket funeral? Absolutely. This is a surgery just like any other surgery, uh, an organ recovery. So yes, these um, families could absolutely have the funeral and viewing wishes that they would like. So Stephanie, again, this is just an important reminder that how you wish to give this gift of your organs, that this is conveyed to your family that they know. You will know because your wishes are registered with Life Center Northwest, but also it's important for your family to know specifically how you want this to happen. Absolutely. It's very important that you share your wishes with your family. You have this conversation um, about what you want at the end of your life. Um, Families can find a lot of comfort in knowing that they are really able to carry out your last wishes and can find a lot of hope in that. Speaking of hope, you are giving hope when you decide to be an organ donor. Jackie, you have seen this countless times with patients who have made this part of their wishes and it's now time. Walk me through that process. You've Off the air, we were talking about something called an honor walk. What is that? It's really a place where we honor that not only the donor patient, but their family being willing to carry out that patient's wishes. So what we do at our hospital and what has happened in a lot of hospitals nationwide is different places call it different things, but we call it an honor walk. We usually know what time the patient's going to go to the operating room. That time is well known by the patient, by the staff. We gather anybody actually in the hospital, because these patients are touched by lab, by x-ray, by uh, food services for their family, by almost every discipline in the hospital. So we gather as many hospital people as we can, and we line the hallways from the patient's room in the intensive care unit to the elevator with staff members. They may not know that patient, but they know what that patient is giving, that gift of an organ. So we line our halls, both from the room to the elevator and then from our elevator to our operating room with staff members of the hospital just to pay our respect to that patient and that patient's family. And that's been hugely impactful to the family and the staff because you're really paying respect to that patient's family and that patient for what they're doing for someone else. It's the ultimate in a selfless act. And again, Stephanie, remind me, one donor could save the lives of how many people? Of up to eight people. Up to eight people. Absolutely stunning. Jackie Whited and Stephanie Wick, when we are talking about organ donation, anything that you'd like to add, anything that we've missed? I have a final question, but anything that you'd like to add? Organ donation is such a rare and amazing gift. Only about 1% of people die in such a way that they can actually become organ donors. So it is such a rare experience. Um, And so our role at Life Center is really to support families and walk them through this process. That's fantastic. And walking them through that process, if you're someone listening to this right now and you think, okay, this is a conversation that I need to have. Obviously, talk it over with your family first to make sure they know. But once your family knows... Who do they talk to in the healthcare community to get this ball rolling? I think you can talk to your primary care physician. You can go online and register at the DMV site. You can talk to anybody you feel comfortable with so that they 
can either relay that information to your family or especially your, your physician, your provider. Fantastic. Jackie White and Stephanie Wick, so important, this conversation and this issue. Thank you so much for taking time out to discuss it with us. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Well, this conversation is over, but more is on the way. So like us, subscribe, and visit us at confluencehealth.org. I'm Clint Strand for Confluence Health, wishing you the best of health.